0: kids here today and all the leaders haven't they done an amazing job what what, what a great job they have all done I have been so blessed and so proud, and it's been so fun to be a part of all of that craziness this week. One little story from the week, if you weren't here to be a part of it. Uh, At one point during the week, uh, you know, we had all these signs and crazy things up around the campus. You've probably seen some of them coming in, but on the office door, there were two signs that one said, Do not disturb, interrogation in progress. And I guess there were a couple people in the, uh, the, the office there who were talking kind of face-to-face, probably fairly intently. They may have even been praying, I'm not sure, because I, I, I've heard the story secondhand. But the UPS driver came to deliver a package, <laughs> saw the sign, do not disturb, interrogation in process, looked through the window, saw an interrogation happening, turned to the nearest person to say, what is going on, and saw Miss Katie in her pink wig, hat, glasses mustache, which uh, Cindy and Katie, thank you for shaving for church this morning. Those mustaches were getting a little furry. But he said, I am not going in there. (laughs) So we had had to explain to him a little bit about what was going on. So it's been just a fun, crazy, awesome week. Um, Some of you this morning might be visiting with us. You may be parents of kids who are at VBS. You may be friends of families who are here. And uh, you're coming to church this morning to celebrate the goodness of this week and to be together on this great Sunday. And we also know that sometimes, for those of you who might not be comfortable with church or familiar with church, it's kind of like that UPS driver, right? Coming in and feeling like, am I going to be interrogated? And is this a safe place? And part of VBS Sunday is we want you to know That Faith Covenant Church, and what church really is supposed to be about, is that this is a safe place. This is a fun place. At Faith Covenant Church, we believe we can worship God and have fun doing it. And so we hope that you pick up a little bit of that spirit of joy and celebration this morning. Worship is really supposed to be a party. It's celebrating who God is and his love and his care in our lives. And that's a big part of why we're here. And so we're glad you're here this morning to share it with us. Now, if you are visiting, you may have a church family and you're just visiting with us this morning because your kids were part of VBS, but if you don't have a church family and you're not plugged in somewhere, uh, maybe this would be an opportunity for you to consider Faith Covenant as a place that might be a spiritual family for you, a place where your kids can continue to have the kinds of experiences they've had this week in VBS, and that you too, as an adult, can find places of connection and learning and joy in your spiritual life as well. The theme this week has been Crack the Code, and we've been talking about how Jesus did a lot of his teaching in parables. He told stories that were intended to help his disciples have a deeper understanding of God's truth, of, of what does it mean that, that God's word has come to us in, in his, through his spirit, in, in the Bible, and ultimately through his son Jesus. And the stories sometimes uh, confused the truth for people, but also helped other people to understand that it's not just about a religious code or a rule book or or a law that we have to follow but that God really came to be in relationship with us. And we are people of stories. And so Jesus told stories to try and help people to understand that God wants to have a personal relationship with each one of us. And so part of our job as as followers of Jesus, as those seeking after God, is to try and understand the deeper meaning, what we call in our children's ministry, the bottom line. What is it that Jesus really wants us to know and to take away from what he's trying to teach us? And we looked at our primary verse was Matthew 7, 7. And this morning, I'd just like to look at that verse and the, a few verses that follow it. We're going to look at uh, verses 7 through 12 in the Gospel of Matthew. And this is part of Jesus' teaching uh, on what's called the Sermon on the Mount. And, and he says in verse 7, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So, in everything... Do to others what you would have them do to you, for this sums up the law and the prophets." Ask, Jesus says, and it will be given. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened. You see, Jesus is helping us to understand that God has been working for centuries, for millennia, from the beginning of time, to prepare a place and an environment and an experience of life where we can discover relationship with him. But God never forces himself on anyone. God, Jesus said, is like a loving parent who, who cares for his children, who knows exactly what they need, and with gentleness and with grace and with mercy, pursues us with love and invites us into a relationship with him. But he also says that we need to want that relationship as well. We need to to come to God with our needs and our desires. We need to ask him for what we want. We need to to seek him out. And when we feel distant from him or we're wondering where he is, he's inviting us to go on a journey to, to seek him because it's the desire to be in relationship with someone else that causes us to seek after them, to pursue them. And then if we, if we are simply willing to be persistent and, and knock on the door, like going over to a friend's house to say, hey, I, I want to hang out with my friend Joe, and so I'm going to go to his house and I'm going to knock on the door to see if he's willing. He says the door will be open. All we need to do is have that desire to be in relationship with God, to have God's blessing and his presence in our life, and it will be given. We can have that confidence that God is already waiting for us to ask and to seek, and to knock. In Revelation 3.20, where it gives a vision of the risen Christ, it gives a vision of Jesus standing at the door of our heart, knocking. And he says, if anyone will open the door, I will come in, and I will sit down, and we'll have supper together. We'll eat, we'll feast, and we'll have a relationship together. You see, our part is the seeking. God's part is the responding. And God promises, Jesus is telling us that God promises if that we will pursue him, he will respond. Now, for those of us who are parents, we kind of understand this dynamic. You see, in the Old Testament and in other religions in ancient times, there was this law called the law of reciprocity. Which more colloquially is known as an eye for an eye. Right? If if you if you gouge out my eye, then I have the right to come back and gouge out your eye. And 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 that kind of thinking, which is kind of our human tendency to to retaliate against one another when we feel slighted and we feel wrong, we have a tendency to then also attribute that to God's attitude toward us. If we make a mistake, if we sin, if we fall short of what we're supposed to do, then God's going to retaliate and he's going to punish us in equal and according measure. That's the law of reciprocity. And so many of us, when we approach the idea of religion and relationship with God, we we come to God with kind of this fearful questioning, I don't know if I can trust God because I know that I'm not perfect. I know that I make mistakes. And how many of you parents have been perfect in your parenting? (laughs) Okay, we got one. All right. All right. None of us is perfect, right? I mean, that's part of the biblical message is that what we know intuitively and common sense, that none of us is perfect and we all make mistakes. The Bible says there's a reason for that. Because we live in a broken and a fallen world. This isn't the world that God intended for us. He intended us to experience loving relationship and wholeness and joy. But sin crept in through our own spiritual parents Adam and Eve those first that first family that that God invited into relationship with him and and the story of Adam and Eve is a story that helps us to understand our own experience of life in this world we too make mistakes. We too are not perfect parents. But even in our imperfection, even in our brokenness, even though we are evil, and I don't think that Jesus is meaning this heavy-handed, you are evil. He's talking about this experience that we all have of living in a broken and a fallen world. Even if we know how to give good gifts to our children, even if in our brokenness, in our own mess-ups, we want the best for our kids and we do the best that we can to give them what they need to be healthy and to grow and to thrive and to protect them. Don't you think God would love us even more in that same way? You see, Jesus is saying that God wants to be in relationship with you in the same way that you would love to be that ideal parent for your kids. Now, if we can look to God and understand how his love operates, then we as parents and as kids, as friends at school, we can learn how to love each other better as well, even though we still make mistakes. And Jesus says, God doesn't operate with us according to the law of reciprocity. God doesn't punish us for every evil wrong thing we do. Instead, he's made a way to show us that in spite of our brokenness and our sin, he's willing to take responsibility for the consequences of that, so that we can live in relationship with him. That's the whole gospel message, the good news of why Jesus came. Jesus is God with a face coming to us, saying, you don't have to be afraid. I know you've made mistakes, but I'll take the consequences on myself on the cross so that we can live in relationship and then we can learn together how to reflect God's love With one another. Well, what does God's love look like? He says, if you parents, you know, want want to give your son or your daughter uh, bread, you're not going to go and give them a stone. Or if if they need fish, you're not going to give them a snake. These, you know, bread and fish were kind of the daily food. Uh, nutrients that people in that culture ate. You know, for us, it might be like Dave Ramsey and his, you know, Financial Peace University. If if you're really trying to save money and you're just getting down to the the basics of what we need to be healthy and survive, he says what? Rice and beans, rice and beans, rice and beans. Eat lots of rice and beans because they're cheap and they're easy to make, easy to find. Bread and fish were the rice and beans of Jesus' day. And you see, what Jesus is saying is that God knows what we really need to be happy. God knows what we need to be healthy. God knows what we need to to thrive in life. Too often, I think our culture tells us that we need all these other things, and without them, we're dissatisfied. And so we spend our lives searching for all these things that that we think are gonna be the answer. All the while, God is saying, if you ask me, if you seek me, if you come and knock on my door, I will help you discover the things that are for real happiness and for real uh, thriving in life. Tammy and I, as we uh, had uh, Troy come and join us in our home in February, and she was um, kind of the school bus, you know, picking Troy up from school every day, and then going to pick up Lucas a little later. She would tell the stories about how she was starting to get a little worried, because she would pick up Troy, and he'd hop in the back of the car, and the first thing he would say is, I'm hungry. (laughs) And then the next thing he would say is, what are we having for dinner? And then the third thing he would say is, what time are we going to eat? <laughs> and she would answer his questions, and they would drive on and go up to Lucas's school and pick up Lucas, and he'd hop in the car, and what's the first thing he would say? I'm hungry. And then he would say, what are we having for dinner? And then, what time are we going to eat? And so we said, gosh, we have some growing boys. We might, might, not, we might need to start planning for feeding them more regularly. So we said, well, maybe we could have some more often irregularly, we, we will let you out of the cage <laughs> twice a day now. So we started strategizing, right? Maybe we need to have some snacks and just keep them in the car. So when you pick them up, if they're hungry, they can eat something. So we started, well, what would be good and what would be healthy? And we don't want to just give them candy. All those things that we as parents think through. But what would you imagine if what we came up with is every time Tammy came to pick up Troy and he said, I'm hungry, she handed him a rubber chicken. You can't really eat that, right? Or she, she went to pick up Lucas, and, and, and she, she handed him, like, a, a rubber snake to play with. You see, we as parents don't do that. I mean, we might do that once to our kids as a joke. But we wouldn't have that be a part of our expectation of that's how we care for our children well. And, 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 and Jesus wants us to understand, see, God is the same way with us. God's not a trickster. God's not playing a cruel joke on us with life. When things are hard, when relationships don't work out, when our kids don't do what we expect them to do or what we want them to do or make wise choices for themselves, God's not upstairs laughing at us going, (laughs) see how they handle that one. That's not God's attitude toward us. You see, Jesus is saying, God, like a loving heavenly father, knows what we need and he's willing to give us exactly what we need to, to be healthy and whole and happy. But if we're willing to ask and seek and knock on his door, then he can respond and offer that to us as well. You know, the VBS song that we sang earlier, be excellent in doing what is right and be innocent of evil. You know, that's just a, a great sentiment that, that we can help our kids from early on understand that we live in a difficult in and in a hard, broken world. And it's a challenge and a struggle for all of us to commit to being healthy and whole in our family relationships, in our marriages, with how we parent, and even as kids, how we respond to being kids in a family. And part of VBS and part of being a part of a church and part of being a Christian is that we seek God for those answers, we seek God to be trained in godliness, in righteousness, in living rightly. And that, those are part of the good things. That becomes part of our, our daily bread in a spiritual sense that we need to feed on. And if we're not feeding on God's word and God's will and God's spirit regularly, then this world will get us off, get us off track so fast that it'll make our heads spin. So this morning, as, as we look to Jesus' words... And we understand that God invites us to experience His love and His care in our lives. Then we also have to understand that part of the purpose that He wants to share that with us is so that we can then turn around and share that with other people. It can help us be better parents to our kids. It can help us to be better friends to our friends at school. It can help us to be better citizens in our culture and have a heart for our community and the broken and the lost and the hurting and the homeless around us. That's a part of the heart of being a Christian is that we have God's heart in us. And because we have confidence that if we ask, if we seek, if we knock, our needs will be met. We don't have to go searching for that in the world. Instead, we can begin to learn how to live generous, giving lives where we're able to care for the needs of those around us. And that's why Jesus really wraps up with what we've come to know as the golden rule. In verse 12, he says, So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you, for this sums up the law and the prophets. This is a great teaching that we give our kids. Love others in the same way that you want to be loved. It's a simple, uh, very poignant truth that we can hang on to. Jesus said this one sentence sums up all the law and the prophets. If you really want to understand the bottom line of what God is saying, He's saying, because I love you so much, you can love other people in the way that you want to be loved. It sounds good. It is good. But is it easy? No, it's not easy. I did some reading on some scholars who who have done some study on the golden rule, and and, and they've concluded that the golden rule is one of the, the best Uh, teachings that we can give our children, whether you're religious or not, because it actually impacts us not only spiritually, but psychologically and emotionally as well. But, But they suggest that most people misunderstand the core teaching of the golden rule, because what they identify is the same thing that Jesus taught. And they even identify Jesus' teachings in their psychological studies. And they say, Jesus understood that it's easy to be nice to those who are nice to you, It's easy to love someone else the way you want to be loved if they're already loving you the way you want to be loved. But what Jesus is saying is the golden rule, if you really want to understand God's heart for his people, is he said we need to love people the way we want to be loved even when they're not able to love us in that way. That is a little different. But You see, our resource for loving those who hate us, our resources for loving those who mistreat us, our resource for rising above the evil of this world is not our own ability to be perfect and loving people. It's the ability to have God's love in us as the source of our power operating in life. And that's the whole point of why it's so important for us to seek God out and to ask him to give us what we need. Because when we do and our needs are met through God and God alone in that vertical relationship in life, then we're able to love others the way we would want to be loved because it doesn't matter how they respond to us. We hope that we will win them. But if they don't, that's not our job. That's God's job. And you see what these scholars say, and I think what the Bible teaches us is that the golden rule is the ultimate empowerment for those people who are followers of Christ. If we are able to do unto others as we would have them do unto us, even when they're not able to do that for us, we are taking the power away from the bully who wants to mistreat us and get us to react and get us to feel badly about ourselves and feel like we're worthless and we don't have what it takes. It takes the power out of the conflict in a marriage when we feel like we're not going to give love and grace and mercy to our spouse until they acknowledge what they've done wrong and then I might consider that if they do that to me first. You see, it takes the power out of all those that would want to, to war and fight and have the law of reciprocity eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth be the common denominator of human existence. Jesus says there's a better way. There's a loving way. There's a way that is godly in the way that God intended. And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And if you want to know how to live the golden rule in your life, then you look to the man who demonstrated it through his life. Jesus did not count equality with God something to be grasped, but he humbled himself, gave up his right to divinity, and became a humble servant. And taking on the form of a man, he demonstrated for us what it looked like to love others in the way that God would like us to love each other. And so this morning, as we go out into the world and as we encourage our kids to take away these bottom lines from VBS, there's a bottom line for us too as parents and as families. If we are willing to continue to be a part of a faith community that is seeking God through his word and learning what God teaches, that is helping to one another to engage with God through worship and through prayer and to to understand how to hear the voice of his spirit in our lives and then to take that love that we receive from him and together as teams go out and share that love not only with one another but with a, a community that is lost and hurting and in need of hope then we too can rise above the evil of this world and discover that God has a purpose for each of our lives and that as a faith community, we can discover the joy of life together and life has a meaning, life has a purpose and we discover the reason for why we are even here in the first place. Would you pray with me? God, we do thank you that you have given us your son to help us crack the code of this mystery of religion, this relationship that you have invited us to have. We thank you that you have given us simple stories that help us to understand that our own stories are designed to be woven into your larger story. God, as we ask for mercy and grace and forgiveness for our own sins and our brokenness and our mistakes as parents and our conflicts as families, our our disobedience as children, Would you help us to understand that if we can have this simple attitude that you had in your son, to love others as the way we want to be loved, even if they're not able to do that for us, then we are on the right track to live your will in our lives. We thank you and we praise you through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. One of the ways we worship God as a faith community here is we bring gifts of tithes